Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the Great Tribulation as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 63, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Before the restoration, the day of God's wrath is coming, the great tribulation. This must be preceded. And chapter 63, the first six verses, go into the great tribulation period. And there are two questions that are asked, and they are answered by the Lord. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? The question, who is this that is coming from Edom with the dyed garments from Bozrah? And the answer, this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness, or still the question, this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. The answer, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Who is this that is coming from Edom? who is so glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. The answer, I, that speak in righteousness, or the Lord, mighty to save. The question, why are you red in your apparel? And why are your garments like him who has been treading in the wine fat? Why are your garments all stained? It looks like you've been treading in the wine fat. It looks like you're covered with grape juice. The answer, I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me, for I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment, for the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. And so the answer to the Garments that are stained. It's the blood. He's been treading the winepress of the fierceness of the anger of God upon the earth. If you'll turn to Revelation chapter 14, you will read here a corresponding passage of Scripture, beginning with verse 14. Well, actually, let's go back to verse 10. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, the presence of the Lamb. Who? Whoever worships the beast and the image and receives his mark in his forehead and in his hand. But whoever worships the beast or his image or receives his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same is going to drink of the wine of the wrath of God poured out without mixture. Then in verse 14, I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, and the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle, and the earth 
on the earth and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse's bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. And then also in the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation, Beginning with verse 11, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture that is dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were with him in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean. The church, go back to verse seven and eight. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it that he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he will tread the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. So tied in with this in Isaiah, the question, who is this that is coming from Edom with these dyed robes and so forth? I who speak in righteousness, who are mighty to save. Well, how come your garments are all stained? For I have been treading the winepress alone, trampling them in the fury. Their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. It's going to be a fierce day when God's wrath is poured out upon the earth. He that despised Moses' law died in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye he to be counted worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and accounted the blood of his covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite to the Spirit of grace. For we know him who hath said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And again, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. We talk about being saved. For example, what do you mean saved? Well, I'll tell you what we mean saved. We mean being saved from that wrath of God that is going to be poured out upon the earth. Salvation has both a negative and a positive effect, actually. It's being saved from and it's being saved for. A glorious eternity with him. But I am going to be saved from the wrath of God that is going to be poured out against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. Now, because God has been slow in judgment, we so often think that God is, is weak. And, and men mistake the long-suffering of God for weakness, and that's a tragic mistake to make. For the day of vengeance and his wrath shall surely come. He has promised it. He said, I'm not going to bring things to birth and then quit there. God speaks about, surely I'm going to fulfill my word and my purposes. And the fact that God has fulfilled it up to this point, you're only fooling yourself if you think God's going to stop now. Surely the rest of the prophecy shall be fulfilled. And we're right on the border 
once again of God's intervening in the history of man in judgment. Now, people are willfully ignorant of this fact that God has intervened in past history. Peter said that they're willfully ignorant of the fact that God destroyed the world already once in judgment. People don't like to think about that. They like to think that the, the, things are uniform. All things have continued as they were from the beginning. Not so. God has intervened in the past and he's going to intervene again in the future. But this intervention that is going to take place in the future is going to usher in then the glorious kingdom age and God's new kingdom and age upon the earth of which we really look forward to. Now the day of the vengeance is in my heart. The year of the redeemed has come. And I looked and there was none to help. And I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation unto me and my fury it upheld me. And I will tread down the people in mine anger and make them drunk in my fury. And I will bring down their strength to the earth. God's judgment that is coming here upon the earth. Now, as we get into verse 7 and all through chapter 64, we have a very beautiful prayer. As Isaiah, representing the remnant, prays unto the Lord, I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord. Isn't this interesting? Right at the time that the Lord declares the day of his wrath and vengeance and judgment, the prophet then prays, I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord and the praises of the Lord. According to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercies and according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses. Looking around and seeing what God has done, he has been so kind, lovingly kind to us. For he said, surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior. And in all of their afflictions, he was afflicted. Now that to me is a very beautiful scripture. In all of their afflictions, he was afflicted. The early disciples recognized their close identity with Jesus Christ. And they recognized that those persecutions that they faced, they were actually facing and receiving for Jesus Christ. In all of their afflictions, he was afflicted. So when they were beaten and commanded not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus, they went their way praising the Lord that they were accounted worthy to suffer persecution for Jesus' sake. Because the Lord identifies with his child in the persecution or in the suffering. Whenever you go through any persecution for the name of the Lord, in all of your afflictions, he is afflicted. He bears our sorrows. He shares with us the afflictions, the tribulation, the persecutions. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. And he bare them and carried them in the days of old. And yet, though God was so loving to them and so good to them, they rebelled. They vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy and he fought against them. 
Then he remembered the days of old when Moses and his people saying, where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he that put his Holy Spirit within him? that led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make himself an everlasting name, that led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness that they should not stumble. As a beast goeth down to the valley, the Spirit of the Lord caused him to rest, and so didst thou lead thy people to make thyself a glorious name. Look down from heaven their prayer unto God, and behold from thy habitation of thy holiness and of thy glory. Where is thy zeal and thy strength, the sounding of thy bowels and the mercies toward me? Are they restrained? Doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our father, our redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. And so recognizing God as, as the Father, the Redeemer, O oh Lord, why hast thou made us to err from thy ways and harden our heart from thy fear? Return for thy servant's sake the tribes of thine inheritance. The people of thy holiness have possessed it but a little while. Our adversaries have trodden down thy sanctuary. We are thine. Thou never bearest rule over them. They were not called by thy name. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and that you would come down and that the mountains might flow down at thy presence as when the melting fire burns, the fire causes the waters to boil and makes thy name known to thine adversaries that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When you did awesome things, which we look not for, you came down and the mountain flowed down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waits for him. Now he's, he's, he's praying, God, why don't you, you know, manifest yourself like you did in the past? When people saw your power, the glory of your power. Now, God is. In the 38th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, when God speaks of his fury rising in his face to destroy the invading Russian army as they come into Israel, he said, and I will be sanctified before the nations of the earth and they will know that I am God when I have destroyed thee, O God. And so God once more will move. Now, in prayer, Isaiah is praying for this day that God would move once again. Come and let the mountains flow down before his presence. The awesome things that he did, and he will do them again. Now, verse 4, For since the beginning of the world men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what you have prepared for him, who waits for you. Oh, the things that God has prepared for those that just wait on him. Our problem is that we don't wait on God. We get so impatient. We want to see things done. Like Abraham, we, we know what God wants to do, and so we go about to help God out. And that's always tragic. 
Oh, the things that God has prepared for those that wait. You remember Paul said something like this in Corinthians. And no doubt he was making reference to this passage here in Isaiah. For Paul said, as the scripture saith, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But he has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Paul's talking about the natural man, the spiritual man, how that the natural man doesn't understand anything about the spirit. He doesn't know the things of the spirit. He can't know the things of the spirit because they're spiritually discerned. Yet he which is spiritual understands all things, though he is not understood. But in talking about the contrast between the natural man and the spiritual man, he says, the eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But God has begun to reveal them unto us by his Spirit. Paul prayed for the Ephesians that God would grant unto them the spirit of wisdom and understanding that they might know what is the hope of their calling. Oh, if you only knew what God has in store for us as his children. If you only knew the glory of the kingdom. It is so marvelous. It is so beyond anything that we in our own imaginations could conceive or devise. It is so glorious that when Paul got a little view of the thing, got a little taste of it, taken up into the third heaven and there heard these glorious things that were so marvelous, it would be a crime to try to describe them in human language. And it was so glorious that Paul said it was necessary that God give to me a thorn in the flesh to keep me on the ground, lest I be exalted above major because of these revelations that were given unto me. It was just so fantastic. I just, you know, God had to keep me on the ground, man. I just, you know, live in that heavenly vision and realm. So because of the abundance of those revelations, because it was so glorious, this old thorn in the ground, it just remind me, hey, I'm still human. Uh, but that desire from then on, I have a desire to part and to be with Christ, which is far better. And that yearning, if you only knew the things that God has prepared. Now, God has begun to reveal them to us by his spirit, but yet Paul's prayer that you might have the spirit of wisdom and understanding, that you might know what is the hope of your calling. If you only knew what God had for you, you couldn't be happy or satisfied with these worldly things anymore. You, like Paul, would just... People say, oh, you're so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. Well, I've never yet met that person, in all honesty. I think that we're too earthly-minded to be any heavenly good, for the most part. I wish we were more heavenly-minded. I wish that we were more looking towards what God has prepared for those that love him, because then our perspective would be better as far as the things of the world, and we wouldn't get so deeply involved in the things that are going to perish. 
but we would be more involved in those things that are eternal. We look not, Paul said, at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but we look at those things which cannot be seen, for they are eternal. We have our eyes upon the unseen, the things that the Spirit has revealed of God's glorious kingdom. Oh, you get restless in this world in which you live, and, and you just want to keep a light touch on the earth. For since the beginning of the world, men haven't heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he has prepared for those that wait on him. O God, help us to just wait on him. Continuing his prayer, you meet him that rejoices and works righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art angry, for we have sinned. In those is continuance, and we shall be saved. But we are all as an unclean thing, for all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, Simply order Isaiah 63 through 64 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you this week. May he watch over your lives and keep you in his love. May you abound in the love of Jesus Christ. May there just be that rich flowing forth in and from your life as God works in you, his perfect work of love and grace. May God grant that you have just a special week of enjoying the goodness and the fullness of God and his love. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today would like to invite you to come along on a revolutionary study of the Bible as we introduce Pastor Chuck's Genesis commentary in an ebook format. 
Not only will you have Pastor Chuck's in-depth commentary, this ebook allows access to enhanced research studies by honored Christian scholars instantly. Features include Hebrew and Greek word definitions, as well as images of historical maps and places just by clicking or touching your screen. An online dictionary, plus highlighting, note-taking, and bookmarking. And everywhere Pastor Chuck shares what he learned or studied something, you now have access to those very same notes. So get ready to study the Bible in a whole new way. Now you don't have to imagine what it was like to be there. This is the next best thing. To find out how to download Pastor Chuck's Genesis commentary to your electronic device, please call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673. Or to watch a video demonstration, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.